Having a job as a band publicist today is like trying to plug a hundred sandbag leaks along the Mississippi. Or maybe even like trying to put out a hundred California wildfires. Why? Well, that's because trying to control information in the 21st century is nearly impossible, as the public relation control switch is more often than not being worked by average citizens, versus the corporate PR person that's getting paid 70 grand a year, or less. Usually less. With the hyper-aggressiveness of message board posters and fan websites wanting to know everything that a band does, and then wanting to make sure that everyone else knows everything that that band does, the job of a publicist is no longer as much about playing offense, like disseminating information to fans, but more defense, usually by stating the phrase, no, that's not true, several hundred times a day. After several years perfecting her marketing and PR skills on various street teams back in our home state of Florida, Francesca Caldera joined the staff of Equal Vision Records in early 2007, before eventually working her way up to be director of publicity by October of the same year. She has worked with some of the scene's most popular bands, Circus Survive, Chieros, The Color Fred, Fear Before the March of Flames, The Deer in the Headlights, Follow Troy, Armor for Sleep, Dunstan Kensrew, and many, many others. After we recorded our interview, she sent me a follow-up email describing one of the facets of her job that most people don't realize. Quote, One of the things that has been bugging me since we did the interview is that I didn't say how with this job you're always working. There's no clocking out. You've got to be on and ready at all times. This is a 24-7 job because you never know who is around you, who you might run into, who's listening to when you're venting about, oh, I can't believe so-and-so banged this chick, or have they had the nerve to say that to me, I would've. This industry is very incestuous. Someone is related to someone who is dating someone who used to date someone who used to work with someone. Your reputation can go sour very fast, end quote. Oof, this is gonna get juicy. This is Mike Shea. What the hell made you decide? sitting in high school biology class, fifth period, um, want to spend your day getting yelled at by band managers, spend countless hours trying to track down tour uh, managers, uh, begging the booker for Jimmy Kimmel to uh, let your new priority act perform on their show, mm -hmm. uh, and spend at least twice a month having a private drink with a lead singer, <laughs> telling them to watch what the hell they say to the press. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, biology was actually sixth period, but um <laughs> it uh it all started with a street team. There was really? a Was it in high school though? Yeah, it okay. was yeah, ninth grade. Um there was a band uh from Orlando, which is where I grew up, um, that I just fell in love with, became friends with the guy well, friends with bunny ears <laughs> in the air. Okay. Um friends with the guys and started a street team with another girl who was just as crazy about the band as I was. And it blossomed from that, you know, I went on to, you know, from starting that street team to joining other street teams, joining label street teams like Doghouse and Capitol. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know where uh, publicity came in all of that, but I guess it, 
it kind of transitioned from street marketing to regular marketing to the publicity. But so. what was that? You know, I mean, there's a lot. There's still, I mean, even more so today. There's there's lots of street teams. AP has a street team. Mm-hmm. Uh, several street teams. And we have a street team. Well, ours is bigger. Whatever. Yeah, okay, yeah. Fine. Ours can beat up yours. Actually, our street teams are friends. They are. Yeah, yeah. Your street team comes to our shows, and and our street team does things for you. I don't know. Whoa. I know. Whoa. I, something. I bet the invoicing on that street. <laughs> <laughs> Accounting's wondering what the hell's going on. Um, no. Uh, so, but there was something about being in that street team, and then kind of going from street team to street team to street team. There was something you were getting out of that that was making you fulfilled. And what was that? It was going to shows for free. <laughs> Simple, easy, I was go- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go to the shows anyways. And if I could get in for free, and then eventually I worked for um, the company, the syndicate, or the street syndicate, actually, um, who would pay you 10 20 bucks to go to these shows and get you in for free. So you got gas money, and you got into the show for free. And the band recognized you, you know, like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember, like, we had a street team kid out last night. Oh, you're on the street team? Like, thanks so much. And it wasn't so much like, oh, I want to shake the hands of these rock stars and, like, get a pat on the back or whatever. But it was just feeling like I was involved, feeling like I was part of that. And then it just grew and grew. And people were like, why don't you help me out with this and, like, be a little more involved? And But how do you know, like, was there ever a moment or even maybe one of your... I mean, one of those friends that was kind of jealous of you a little bit or one of those people, in the, you know, like you were getting in the backstage door mm-hmm. and this other person was still sitting in line outside. Oh, I've lost went, friends over situations and, you know, and they're just like, like she's just a groupie. Yeah. Like, so have you ever had that moment where you've had a kind of, where you kind of at that time and go, okay, how do I know I'm not a groupie? Mm-hmm. It's because well, of this. Haven't slept with any. <laughs> okay. So I know I'm not a groupie. Right enough. off. That's one. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um. That's the thing is that it, I feel like I'm from that movie Almost Famous. It's about the music. <laughs> I was okay. there for the music, not to be friends with the band, not to, you know, just to be part of this business or feel like, you know, I'm in it. Like I'm contributing to this corporate whatever. This corporate whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who were the, some of the bands that you were doing street team work for? Do you remember like you were handing out cards for or putting up flyers? Yeah. Or... With the syndicate, they actually were hired by not only record labels, but other uh, corporations. Like I did a thing for AOL when they started the AIM mail. Oh, okay. Um, when they first started that, uh, there was a CD sampler that went with that. I remember handing out MXPX postcards. Okay. Okay. When their DVD came out. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that B movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, there was an epitaph sampler in there, so um, it was a lot of different things. I it wasn't ever really on just like one band specific street team. Mm-hmm. It was always a record label or a company that dealt with a lot of different things. Did you was there any band that you ended up meeting um, at that time when you first started doing street team stuff that um, their personality surprised the hell out of you? Like you really were more intimidated before you knew them, and mm-hmm. then once you got to know them, like whoa, these guys are real or they're pussycats or they're they're like um, my younger brothers the first one that comes to mind is when i was doing the aim mail thing there was a, a plain white tea show and one of the guys actually tom the singer um was like oh what do you what are you guys handing out or whatever and we're like well we have these t-shirts or whatever and he's like oh i want this t-shirt and he was just really cool and he like took a bunch of pictures for us because of course we have to report back to the company mm-hmm. or the record label or whatever with pictures and a report so he definitely helped out with the whole picture side of it um but he was awesome and really nice 
about everything. Did you ever? Did you ever? Um, uh, I could. I. When I was thinking of this question. I saw Scott Heisel asking it because it's such a Scott question. <laughs> did you ever? Um, did you ever uh, fib a report? Like yes. you said, <laughs> Scott. I know you're proud of me right now. <laughs> um, I have uh, filled out a report for a show I didn't even go to. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I'm sure it was. Tony, I want that It was Tony bu- Bennett at the pavilion, wasn't it? <laughs> that twenty <laughs> bucks was uh was worth it. Okay. Or whatever it was. I. There are definitely ways to to cheat with these things. Um, I remember a friend of mine who was on a street team had to go to a show and hang up Panic at the Disco posters. She hung them up on her living room wall and faked the pictures so that it looked like they were. Yeah. So I, not that I'm suggesting that any of our street teamers you do You do, do, you do know how many of the Equal Vision and AP street teamers we are now Crap. giving really bad ideas to. Okay. Um, please don't hang them up on your living room wall. I know what club venue walls look like. I was just going to ask you, like, you know, it's got to be interesting to be on the other side of that yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Because now That's you're kind of like, you were the student that cheated in class, and so now you're the professor. Yep. So like, now you know how they cheat. Yep. Well, and the other thing that I was actually just revealing to Scott this morning is that I, or last night, um, that I started a magazine like five years ago. It got one issue out, and that was it. Great. Because it was me and my best friend doing it, and then he disappeared. But um, so I've been that magazine that, like, had to fake it, you know, so that you could get the interviews mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, we totally have circulation around this area or whatever, you know. But what was the so, name of the zine? Oh my god, what was it called? <laughs> uh, Flip. It was uh, it was like F L I P, but um, it was five line in print because I had started. I wanted to do some sort of like promotion, like basically like the syndicate mm-hmm. but it was called five line promotions so i called it five line in print i mean and that way i got my way i got me and four of my friends into a simple plan show at the height of their career damn just dropping the publicist name not Whoa. that i'm suggesting anyone drop my name it's not going to get you anywhere <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> that will not get. You. In fact, that'll get you kicked out of a show. <laughs> get kicked out, right? You'll you'll go down there. What, and that was in Florida. But, yeah, that okay. was in Florida. I mean, we got one issue out, and it was with Simple Plan on the cover. Um, I think I have three copies left. Um, maybe now I can eBay them for five cents or so. <laughs> wait, wait, wait till one of the guys in Simple Plan dies, and then do yeah, it. yeah. Exactly. You know that's how it goes. You know, unfortunately. Yeah, the the untold interview. The exactly. Interview never... Well, you know, it's you know a musician stuff yeah. always worth more when they're dead. Yeah. So I mean, I interviewed um, Pete Wentz before they were before Fall Out Boy were popular. There um, you go. That band Watashi Wa that was on Tooth and Nail, mm-hmm. uh, Homegrown. Mm-hmm. Wow, you got all the good ones. I did. I got a you lot got of a good. Lot of, yeah, a, wow, I mean, and then one issue. Victory was really nice to me too. I got you know Silverstein, Spitalfield. Um, oh, what was that kind of ska band that they had? You know, it took us about I think bands. six issues before we even got the Cure. Really, and that was because we snuck backstage and we <laughs> we cornered Robert Smith. So, and we were just go back there as fans, and so yeah. then we pulled out the recorder on him and. Just started asking him some questions. And yeah. Thank God Robert Smith was nice. So <laughs> you actually beat us up. You, you got Simple Plan on the cover. Would have taken AP six <laughs> issues. It's pretty darn good. So, so okay, so now you you you, you, you mentioned something kind of interesting, which is you actually lost friends Yeah. when you were doing this three-team mm-hmm. thing. And uh, and why was it? Was it a jealousy thing? Was it a... Definitely. I mean, really? I, it was, you know, we're 15 or whatever. What did I say? It was four years ago? 
It had to be longer than that, 15. But yeah, um, it was basically I was uh, talking to a band, you know, sort of interviewing them or whatever. Um, and a friend of mine was like, wanted her digital camera and I'm backstage and she got mad that, you know, I was backstage and she wasn't and, she, and I had her camera or something like that. And that was the end of our friendship. Wow. It was like stupidest thing. I mean, you're 15, but. Did it change your stature in the high school? <laughs> no, not at all. I was actually... like, oh, there's, you know, there's Fran. She was hanging out with so-and-so last yeah, night. You know what I mean? No. No? Not really. Because, um, I mean, the bands, when I was that young, they weren't very big. Um, but the night that I did get four of my friends into Simple Plan, then I was cool. Really? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> your, your your stature at the lunchroom table went up. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. No, that no, that does it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um what uh what do you think are the um there's actually two there's two ways to look at this one. So I'm gonna ask mm -hmm. the simple one first, which is what do you think are the basic skills mm -hmm. that one needs to have in order to be a publicist? Mm -hmm. Period. Um there's Everyone says, like, you have it or you don't. There's just, like, something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's huh. something. And and I don't know how to describe it. It's a, a certain interaction with people, like, the way that you interact with people. Um, it's – I went to school for marketing. So my classes taught, like, how to sell a product, but not so much how to sell a product and yourself to people, whereas, like, PR is you're selling yourself to someone so that they like you, they trust mm -hmm. you, and then they're going to be interested in your product or your bands or whatever. Um, but basically just that, like, people interaction. Like, I've been very lucky to where I feel like I have friends in certain, you know, press outlets. Um, I've been friends with some people even before I was in the publicity mm -hmm. position. Um, but, like, even since then. So, I don't know. It's just you got to kind of like pretend to be friends with these people <laughs> um but it, like honestly it's not even like just pretending too. like we're just gonna gotta, say emphasis on the word pretend yeah no is it italicized <laughs> no, no, no. yes italicized <laughs> the word no um actually not even pretending like you kind of it's a lot easier to uh to do publicity for for stuff that you actually care about too so um, fortunately I've been lucky enough to work at a record label where I actually enjoy, uh, most, if not all of the music that we put out too. So, so should you have, I would imagine some sort of writing skills? Yeah, that too. Like that's basic the thing. knowledge of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to go basics, like internet writing, um, like I said, with the magazine, I kind of was on the other side and I know a little bit about putting out a magazine, know a little bit about, you know, what you need mm -hmm. to uh, to get that band on the cover, like, you know, what's newsworthy, really. So, I don't know. <laughs> but does, but do, you know, there's probably um, a lot of listeners um, with this on their iPod right now, and the one of the things that always kind of gets asked is, um, like we get resumes at AP for writing positions, maybe editorial positions, and they go, you know, I really don't know a lot about this music, but I love music. Mm -hmm. So if you're a publicist and you want to work at said indie rock label, mm -hmm. do you have to know, when you walk in for that job interview with mm -hmm. the head of whatever, 
how much should you really know about that band's roster? You much less the scene. Like, what can you get away good, with? It's fine if you at least know the scene. Like, we just hired someone who didn't listen to Circus Survive before they came to the label. Okay. Circus Survive's kind of a, you know, bigger band in the scene. Yeah, one of the top so, <laughs> two or three with the label. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but didn't listen to, you know, most of our bands. Um, she worked at a venue before okay. uh, she coming to work for us. And when Chiodos came to town, she was like, who is this band? Why is this sold out? Like, why is this show sold out? And I had no idea how big they were. Okay. But was aware of the scene you know, into other bands like them. Okay. So that helped. At least she, like, knew their name, you mm-hmm. know. And as she has, like, you know, been working there, has come to know them and know the music and everything like that, and it's been awesome. She's great. But, I mean, as long as you know, if you're, you know, at home listening to 50 Cent or uh, Kanye West only, <laughs> uh, like my brother... <laughs> I wouldn't really recommend, you know, getting a job at an indie rock label. So just a general knowledge of the scene really helps. And that's something that I think has also helped me out is that I'm a fan of these bands. I know, you know, what these, what I'm listening to, what other kids are listening to. I read AP Mm -hmm. regardless of, uh, well, you know, hopefully they buy it. (laughs) Hopefully they buy it. (laughs) So is there any, so the second part of that, that first question I asked, Mm -hmm. like, what are your basic skills? What are the overlooked skills that one needs to have that most people don't think about that, you know, they're kind of like the ones that would usually be left at the bottom at the resume saying other interests. Like, are there some other skills that you just need to have? Like a doctor doesn't just need to know medicine. They need to know how to talk to people. Right. You know, uh, you know, you were saying like you need to have it, that, yes. that ability to sell anything mm-hmm. as a publicist. But is there another overlooked skill that, is like you have to pull out daily that it's not grammar. It's not, it's something like something you that I've kind of developed, um, especially over the last month um, <laughs> as we've oh, become okay. busier and busier um, is that managers are going to be assholes. Like tour managers are going to be assholes and you can't take it personal. Like I take everything that I do very personally because I like put, 110% into it. Mm-hmm. It's like all of me, you know, into this work. And if someone is trying to mess that up or doesn't like it, then yeah, I'll get upset. But you've got to like get over that quick because you've got five more managers calling you. You've got five more tour managers to deal with. You know, there's another band that's upset about an interview that they did or didn't do, you know. So that's one thing that I've definitely uh, developed since I've been at EVR is uh, just got to get over it. You can't, Thicker skin. Yeah. Not to say it's all bad. <laughs> no. It's it's pretty good, you know. But there are gonna people gonna be people that uh, I don't know just don't appreciate like everything. They're, you're not gonna get a pat on the back. You can't expect a thank you every time, you know, something good happens. So you, so you're saying a, being a publicist is kind of like being a backyard dog. <laughs> not exactly. It's not all bad. I mean, I get get to come to lovely Cleveland yep. every once in a while. There you go. <laughs> Cleveland Tourist Bureau will send you a check for <laughs> yeah. that. Right. For 80 cents. No. For, yeah. <laughs> pretty much what they got right now. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not all bad. Like I said, I love the music. I get free CDs. I get free shows. Uh, it's good. It's good. So... 
<laughs> one of the things that I don't, I know a lot of people that aren't in the music industry don't think about um, when they think of uh, a band publicist or a movie or let's say like a, a publicist for a movie studio or that works at a uh, agent's firm or something mm-hmm. is how do you get through, how, how do you sell and believe in the stuff that sucks? <laughs> you know, I mean, like you, you, we both know people that have worked at major labels mm-hmm. that have had to push a lot more crap than mm-hmm. something like that you would have to or Epitaph or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, but not everything is. I, you know, before. Or maybe you just don't like it. <laughs> well, see, before I um, got a job at EVR, I, since I was from Florida, I was like, well, maybe I could work at Fueled by Ramen. And this is before they moved in with Atlantic and are in New York City. This is when they were still in Tampa. I was like, maybe I could work at Fueled by Ramen. I'm not really a fan of all their music, but I think that it would be really awesome if I could do a great job on a band that I didn't like. And I think that that is. So that was oh, the challenge. That Yeah. So I think that that is really great if somebody could go in and sell something that they don't like then you're awesome you're an amazing publicist if you can really sell something that you just aren't a fan of i personally i don't listen to bands like bane and modern life is war but i still do pr for them you know so then what do you do to get to yourself like what do you do do you force do do you force yourself to go to like maybe one more show than yeah necessary i'll go see the show and you know what what i found out from bane is the intense live show that they have like no record could ever capture the live show that they have so you just go and you find something about it that you do like or you do appreciate i mean the same thing with modern life is where their live show too but mm-hmm. yeah. you just find something about it that helps you you know kind of pitch it a what about better. what about working with somebody that that as a person you can't stand <laughs> that's a member of a band and you just and you know, you got to. You just talk to somebody else in the band. <laughs> um, but you got to sell them to the yeah paper, the yeah. news outlet, the radio station, whatever. Yeah. Oh, he's great, but yeah. you know the back of the head, the person's an idiot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You just never let the press know that. <laughs> um, yeah, you just kind of got to. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> just kind of whatever. But do you like before you pick up the phone to call that person, or mm-hmm. you know they're on the line? Do you just take a Zen moment for about thirty seconds? Yeah. Or what do you do? I mean, like, is there a method? Do you have a mantra to yourself? Like, well, fortunately, just get through. Fortunately, the phone call. all of our bands are pretty quick on email, so I can just email them. And ah. I don't even have to talk to them. Behind the great technology wall. Mm-hmm. Well, we take two music breaks, and when we take our first one, and um. I try and put it into context of whatever we're talking about, and I kind of want to go back a little bit. Um, uh, give me two bands, two songs, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't matter what label they're on or anything. Um, that were like your favorites when you were just getting into doing street teaming back in Florida. Like, what were your two favorite songs and bands that were just like your, um, you know, throw in the car and. And sync and back shorts. Okay, easy enough. Easy enough. I'm from, uh, kind of I'm fits from with Orla- Florida. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm from Orlando, so the boy band thing is like in my in my blood or something in the water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everybody just immediately likes in sync. Um. Oh man, back in the day, back I was a simple day. plan fan. 
Okay. I was. So simple plan. So yeah. What song? But like from the first record. Okay. Anything from the first record. What, like first song? Yeah, I don't even remember the names of the songs at okay. this point. Okay, okay. I've right. moved on. I'm sorry, Simple Plan. Oh, no. It's <laughs> so bro- brokenhearted now. I know. Pierre. I love that they're French-Canadian. It's Isn't it, you know? Yeah. Not so. It gives it, it shuts music critics up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was interviewing uh, David over the phone, he was talking to, I guess it was their publicist, in French, like, when I picked up the phone because they were already on the line together. But that was... It's probably, did that scare the hell out of you? You're like, yeah, God, I've got a C minus in high school French. I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> <laughs> I took German in high school. Oh, uh, well, you could have. Nah. No, not really. Would've. You wouldn't <laughs> no, have been able to fake yeah, it. Yeah, I can't. Would not have been able to fake it. No. Okay, and another band, another song. Oh, man. Back in the day. What did you listen to in your car all the time? I listened to... Uh, just saw them last night. Motion City soundtrack, the first, the first record. That was, uh, that was on there a lot. Another day is going by. I'm thinking about you all the time. But you're out there, and I'm here waiting. And I wrote this letter in my head, 'cause so many things were left unsaid. But now you're gone.
You wanted to do this. Yeah. You said you wanted to vent. Yeah. So <laughs> this is where we start careful. the venting part. Okay. okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm not trying to set you up. <laughs> We're not looking for that Krang interview. Um, <laughs> That'll tell, be later with Krang. No. Yeah, right. Exactly. Tell me what. Okay, here we go. Tell me what bands <laughs> don't understand about the press. They don't get that not every single one of your fans is going to read every interview. And not every single person that, even if they're not a fan, they're not going to read every single interview. The press are going to ask you the same questions over and over again. You're going to get asked, how did the band start? What do you sound like? You know, How do you pronounce your last name? Exactly. <laughs> like, the... Kids aren't going to be reading every single interview that you do. They're probably not even going to read the interview. They're going to see your name in the header and like, oh, I heard something about them. Move on. Read the cover story that they picked up the magazine to read and go on about their day. And the thing is with press, like it's part of a bigger picture. It's getting the name out there. It's getting the name in the header, on the contents page, whatever, so that kids keep seeing it and they keep hearing the music on the radio, on TV, at the shows, you know, as long as you're touring and they see your name on the concert calendar, like maybe I'll go back and read that interview, find out how they started, find out how to pronounce their last name, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> find out what they sound like. So, so, so it, it, is it something where you get phone calls or emails from band members going, what the hell, why is... Mm -hmm. 
I have had two bands now ask me, can we send out a frequently asked question sheet? Like, I mean, granted, these press should do, I mean, Wikipedia is, is there for finding out how the band started. <laughs> like, that, that question is overdone. But at the same time, like, the bands should be a little bit, you know, patient with it and just kind of understand that it's part of a bigger picture. Fred Mascherino left Taking Back Sunday in October of 2007, and still to this day, he is asked in every single interview, why did you leave? Anyone can find out why he left. Anyone can, and it's the same answer in every interview, but he doesn't get tired of it because that's, that's going to be, you know, the question on everyone's mind. Is it, why do you think that is? You see that a lot in politics, you know? Yeah, um, we saw that recently with the Reverend Wright thing and Obama yeah. where it, it, it's like, MSNBC would do a huge thing on it. They'd be on it for about a week and a half, and then they mm -hmm. kind of would pseudo-resolve it. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, CNN would pick it up and start going after exactly. it. And then and so it's just like, is it the press? Yeah, and those the are bigger the, outlets, too. But, are, but, are, but is the press, our journalists, by nature, trying to get the last, trying to see if they can get the artist in this, in this to say something mm -hmm. that the other five journalists didn't right. say before them? Exactly. I think that that's part of it, too. I mean, for the most part, like, the webzines or the the news, you know, little news sites or blogs or whatever aren't really reading, like, other people's blogs and news sites and webzines. Um, so they don't know that it's been asked 25, 30 times. But it's, yeah, they are still trying to get a different answer. They're still trying to get Fred to say, oh, so-and-so really pissed me off and that's why I left, you know? But that's not the case. Like, it's not going to be a different answer. I mean, if they're, if you're a good band who has done many interviews and you're experienced with the interviews, it's not going to be a different <laughs> answer. Did you ever kind of get to the point where, the, you know, the, old, the, the, the stories about Pat Kingsley when she was repping? I don't know if she still is repping. I don't think she's anymore. Tom Cruise mm -hmm. and all that. And, and uh, you know, the very famous Pat Kingsley, she's out, she's out of the biz now. But, mm -hmm. um, but she had the most powerful um, a movie star agency, a publicity agency in mm. the country, and she represents all the big ones. And it got to the point where she would put in in a uh, in a contract to a writer at Entertainment Weekly yeah, or to stop asking. Like if you ask anything about the marriage or Scientology, mm -hmm. Tom Cruise will get up and walk out right. of your interview, yeah. and you will not get access. Yeah to anybody else that we rep. Mm. Do you ever kind of get to that point where you wish no. you could pull that with some people? Like, no. come on. It. I mean... You know, stop asking Anthony Green about Samson. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and that's the thing is like, still to this day, there's so many articles that are published that they're like, yeah, Anthony Green who left Samson. That was like, how many years ago now? Four? Or whatever it was? Like, it's been a long time. So, but people are going to say that anyways. For some people, they're still stuck under a rock. At Bamboozle left, kids were running up to Fred, like, what are you doing here? Taking Back Sunday's not playing. Fred left in October. Like, I know you kids have the internet. So. But David Lee Roth was always compared to, to his years with Van Halen. Right. You know, like, you're always going to have yeah. the lead singer compared to whatever the original project was that they left. Right. Sonny Moore's going to get connected to First to Last yeah. Forever. So yeah. I don't know if you can necessarily get away from that. No. And. And that's fine. If kids are still going to recognize Fred from Taking Back Sunday, that's fine with me because then they're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, this sort of sounds like Taking Back Sunday, but it's just Fred and I like Fred anyways, so whatever, you know. Like, that's fine if they're, they're going to still associate it with him, but um, 
there's still uh, a little research that these writers should do <laughs> about, oh, he's been out of the band for this many months and they started in 92 in a garage. You know, like, I don't need to ask that question. Do you think, I mean, I, I want to continue with the, the main yeah. The main thing, but kind of what you've suggested here is that some, not all, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put you into that kind of line <laughs> of fire, but some, quote-unquote, journalists mm-hmm. are lazy. Or are they busy? Uh, well, the thing is with most of these, the smaller publications, is it's not their only job. And I understand that. I mm-hmm. totally understand that. Um, I hope that all of them understand that Circus Survive isn't my only band. Fred isn't my only band. You know, while I am sympathetic to the fact that you have a day job and this is just what you do at night for fun because you love the music as much as I do, um, if you want to do this full time, mm-hmm. then do a little research. Go on Wikipedia. That's all I'm just saying. Like, go on Wikipedia. That's it. Scott would so yell at you. <laughs> because he hates Wikipedia. Wikipedia, yes. Exactly. <laughs> go to their MySpace. I don't know. Do a quick Google, and the first five pages, I'm sure, will answer all of your questions. And then you'll think of better ones. So what else do bands not understand about the press? Um, well, I've had a band refuse to do an interview once, and I hate that. <laughs> With a particular entity or because of a another issue? Because of the questions. Ah, so because, they knew the questions in advance. Well, that's the thing. It was an email interview, and oh, they just refused okay. to do it because they didn't like the questions. Okay. <laughs> um, Were the questions out of the line? No. Okay. It, it was. It was asking one of them. One of the questions was like asking them their opinion on global warming or something, and because it didn't have to do with music, and it's like. You kind of want a story about a person, you know, in the band. You want to know the person. Like, readers are going to want to know a little more about the band than they play music and they've been on tour with so-and-so, you know? Like, it just gives a little more depth to uh, a person. Like, you feel like you know the band a little bit better now. So, I wish the bands would not refuse to do interviews. I mean, you remember for years, no effects wouldn't do interviews. And, At all, yeah. yeah. And then, and then I think uh, against me for quite a while. We're very like, like before they did the it's Warner put thing. Publicists out of yeah, the but job. before Warner Brothers, they were really hard. I think they were one of the band, and I think Rancid is another one of those guys. It's just mm-hmm. they don't do a lot of interviews. You know, from a press standpoint, our standpoint, we sit there and pound our heads against the wall because like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. But have you ever? What's your view on that sort of thing? Which is, I guess, if you don't do interviews. Mm-hmm. It builds up your desirability, I guess, and your, you know, there there is that marketing end of it. Like, right. the less you are out there, the more you are wanted Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. So, or is it just like, we hate the media and they can go. <laughs> I mean, what's your th- thoughts on that? Um, I guess for a band at the level that No Effects and Against Me were at at that time, it was... Not that it's okay and that it excuses them, but, like, people know who they are. Like, it's not—I can't imagine that it hurt them too much. Um, I'm sure it pissed off a lot of press people for uh, later things, but everyone got over it, and 
there's stories about them all the time and no effects and against me are on the covers of magazines all the time. So, um, yeah, it could have, could have just been a publicity stunt, <laughs> stunt, I guess. So what do you think? Okay. So here's a, here's, we'll go on to the next level of that question. I start off with what do you, what does the press mm-hmm. not understand about bands? Um, the regular people, you know, they're, except that they, play instruments and sometimes do crazy things because being in a band is a way to not grow up. <laughs> so I guess that's the first thing is that uh um these are 22 just gave 20, a lot of high school boys a lot of good ideas. <laughs> these are 22 and 23 year olds um with 16 and 17 year old minds. So don't don't <laughs> ask too quote. too complicated uh of a question <laughs> is the first thing. Um not to suggest that bands are dumb, but I think you already went there. Oh, yeah, I think I did. Too. I'm sorry. Um, many of our band members have college degrees. I'm sorry. Um, they're also. Um, you also have to keep in mind that this isn't their first interview of the night. This isn't their first interview of the week. They're gonna get a little annoyed if they've been asked 17 times, "How did the band start this week?" You know, or just that night. You know, they you're not the only interview they're doing. So that's one thing is that I would, I would ask press to keep in mind about the bands. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, is there like a, <clears throat> I always kind of think of it as the blood in the water bit mm-hmm. where all of a sudden a particular band member or a band will go through some drama. Mm-hmm. Could be a nice little hospital visit. Could mm-hmm. be a there was a major fight last night and somebody left and took a plane home. Mm-hmm. And the blood is in the water. The media smells it. They're on the phone and they email to you. Yeah. And text. Yeah. Um, how do you handle that sort of crisis management? You know, let's say, um, you know, you get a you get a text message from the manager and Anthony Green is in the hospital with i don't know something pretty crappy Mm -hmm. and it was something that he did Mm -hmm. so you start getting flooded what do you do do you is there like a ignore phase for a while no the the first thing is that if you're gonna come up with a fake story (laughs) like a no 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 he's fine he just had a you know he fell down some stairs or something like Y'all have to be on the same page. I think I just said y'all. Um, <laughs> Very good. Crap. <laughs> and I'm from Florida. Like, it, I know it's south, but it's not the south. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just getting over bronchitis, so I'm <laughs> coughing up a left storm here. Yeah, yeah, bronchitis. Yes, That's yes, what I know. Publicist exactly. Says. Well, we all got the right story. Yeah. So, so the publicist, the manager, everyone's gonna have to be on the same page and the band members when they post that myspace bulletin has got to be all on the same page um because if you've got different stories you're going to be in big trouble then that kind of like alerts people um have there been times though in the past year Mm -hmm. that you've been able to coordinate that well Mm -hmm. over something and because you know you got the internet Mm -hmm. all you need is somebody's brother of a friend who knows one of the guitar techs yep and it's on the internet, and yep. then your story's out. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you been able to control it that well yes. to this day? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, we had, we had, we've had stuff happen that 
has been, it's fine now, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it it was like something that happened for a day and then it was fine. But the thing is, someone who was close to the band went directly to a major magazine, mm-hmm. the editor of a major magazine, mm-hmm. and told them that something had happened and mm-hmm. things were going down or whatever. And it was just like, no, no, no. That girl doesn't know what she's talking about. Here's what really happened. So... So it's so okay. So now, what what are tell tell me what managers? Mm-hmm. Now it gets interesting. Managers don't understand about the press and the kicker, their own bands. The managers are always going to side with the band. Okay. The managers are always going to say it was it was the label's fault. The label did this wrong. You know. They'll never take the blame. There have been situations where projects have stopped or things did or didn't happen because of the manager, but it always falls back on the label because the managers have a job in the first place because they've become friends with the band. The band trusts them. Mm -hmm. They believe they've got their back. No matter what, they're always going to be there for them. And so they have to. That's what they're getting paid to do is always side with the band, whether it's good for the band or not. Huh. So. Um, but what I would want managers to understand about the press is that your band isn't too good to do an interview with, you know, XYZ webzine. They're not, you know, maybe it's only going to get read by 10 people, but those 10 people saw that interview. Now they're going to go check out a song online. They're going to download it illegal, (laughs) download the record illegally. (laughs) Uh, which doesn't help anybody. Um, but they'll go to the show. They'll maybe buy a T-shirt. They'll buy a tote bag. Something, you know. At least they're checking out the band. And that's just 10 more people. And every single one of those people, like, it counts. Every single person that goes to a show, or I feel like I'm trying to convince somebody to vote here. Like, your vote counts. <laughs> your vote counts. No, Every single person who decides to buy the CD instead of illegally download it, every single person who buys a T-shirt at a show or goes to a show, it counts. It really does. So I think what you're trying to suggest is some sort of monetization (laughs) of press. So if the band does an interview with ABC Zine, Mm -hmm. 10 people read it, five go to the show, Mm -hmm. three buy a $20 hoodie, Mm -hmm. that's now... $60 $60 that you've that made off of made that crappy interview that the drummer did. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's so, it's, it's so it, true. Like the drummers always get the crap. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you about that. The methodology to this, is there a, have you found just a standardization of who gets doled out for what? Like lead singer, MTV, to, Rolling Stone, yeah, you know, AP, everyone hopefully. wants to talk to the lead singer and, Sometimes the lead singer isn't really like the leader of the band or the most knowledgeable about the history of the band. The band that we just signed, Sky It's Airplane, the lead singer was the last one to join the band. It was actually the guitarist Lee that, you know, started the band and found everyone else. So don't always ask for the lead singer. <laughs> um, I mean, of course, like the bigger ones that ask for it, we kind of have to do what they say. Like when Alternative Press wants to interview Craig Owens, they get Craig Owens. You know, because <laughs> we are bastards. Um, but as far as like who gets what, it's usually um, 
whoever has done the most. Like we try and break it up evenly. And that's mostly the tour manager who decides who's doing what. Like okay. I can put in the request for Anthony Green, but I can't guarantee it. Mm. You know, it's up to the tour manager. It's if Anthony's feeling well, if, you know, he's already done 10 interviews and he doesn't, he's not up for another one. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, he usually is down to do a hundred interviews a night, but so that's not a good example. <laughs> Anthony is a machine, but, uh, it's usually up to the tour manager who decides like who's doing what interviews. Um, like Chiotis, it's pretty, it's split up pretty evenly. Well, they'll actually break up the band into pairs of two and mm. just send two around to each interview. So have you had to deal with a situation as a publicist where you start having a band member get really sensitive that they haven't been involved in any of the press lately because it's all been going to the guitarist or, you know, no, nobody, the keyboardist that's I got, wish that, yeah, I wish people were like, how come nobody wants to talk to me? But <laughs> I, mm. no, I, nobody's ever like said to me, why am I not doing interviews? You know, I guess I've been lucky in that sense. Have you had to sit down and do media training? No. You haven't had a, and just, I mean, so the listeners know, I mean, some bands, they go through, they, they get a consultant and, and the record company usually provides that and they bring in the consultant and they say, this is how you talk about your band to the media. No, I've seen that in movies and, and none of our bands have done it. I think we should. Maybe we'll get Chiotos through a class or something. No, they're great with interviews. Like I, but that would be good. I just I got a I got an email about some on camera interview that they did, and it was Derek and Pat, and Pat just stood there. He didn't say a word the entire interview because Derek just kept talking and talking. <laughs> Which I'm not gonna complain. Like I'm glad he was actually talking. So. I was joking. But it was just—it was just awkward. I was joking in the beginning about you know having to do those private drink meetings with the <laughs> band member to sit there and say, "What the hell are you saying?" Have you had those? Mm. Where you sat there and said, "Okay, don't call me up and complain to me that <laughs> everybody's asking you now about this blah blah that happened when you went and did a story and told everybody about it in the mm-hmm. first place, you idiot." <laughs> um, I haven't had those yet. I think I might have one. <laughs> 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 um, I, the thing is that, like, our our guys get so honest and friendly with people that they they have to remember to be careful and watch their back a little bit. And like, you're in a position where people can hurt you—not physically, but it screw you over. So. I mean, just the littlest thing, and you will lose a hundred thousand fans. You will never sell another CD again, you know. But no, I haven't. I haven't had that yet. So have, we'll see. Really, have you found? Uh, I, I do want to take another uh, music break. Yeah. <clears throat> if I don't, I drop dead. <laughs> here. Um, but uh, have you ever? Have you had to have any of those sort of conversations with any bands that may be? Um, we're a little, uh, maybe one or one member was, just, you know, was a little bit bigoted. Maybe mm-hmm. they're a bit sexist, homophobic, mm-hmm. whatever. And you kind of had to make sure that person didn't talk or that you had to have a kind of a bit of a conversation saying, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how you feel, but mm-hmm. you can't say that. Right. There, um, there was actually a magazine that was funded by the, um, uh, one of the branches of military, um and wanted to talk to one of the bands but the band was very against the military and war and etc so 
just kind of say, sorry, they can't do this one or whatever, which sucks because it was a big publication, but it wouldn't have been good. Like they're the type of band that can't keep, you know, can't hold back. So if there's a band that I do feel like I can talk to, like, okay, I know what's going on, but just do this, whatever. Or maybe we'll find a different band member that, unfortunately for this specific story or uh yeah story that i was talking about it was the whole band that felt the same way so Mm. um but yeah usually it's just find a different member for them to talk to or um just say hey you know just do this one kind of please the please this writer you know whatever um does that happen a lot no the favor interviews not is this a favorite interview? No. <laughs> no, this is something um, that that just came up in, but, I mean, in our that, normal conversation. No, no, I know. I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But, 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 you know, do the favorite interviews happen? Do you know? I mean, does, does that happen? Like, you oh, guys got to go to MTV. You just have to go to MTV. No. Um, I mean, I would, I wish that you know, getting one of our bands on MTV was a favor to MTV, but <laughs> it's more like we've got someone, we've got to get someone to do a favor to us and get our band on MTV. <laughs> so, um, well, okay. So, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to test you here. Mm-hmm. Okay. I put a compilation. It's the equal vision sampler that yeah. is uh, for 2008, I believe. And yeah. is that now, is that out in stores? Is yeah. Gonna... It's, um, at hot topic. Um, and merch now exclusive. So it's a CD with a DVD. Yes. It looks like it's about 18 tracks. DVDs is videos. Is it about right? 17 uh, videos and 15 songs. Okay. So I'm a writer, a reporter, the new entertainment editor for USA Today. Mm-hmm. Clueless. I think Dave Matthews is the best thing on the planet. <laughs> uh, I, I uh, you know, I, I enjoy in, uh, in my, um, in my, uh, in my, uh, Soccer mom car. I, I like listening to Jewel. You're from Vermont. Vermont? No, no. I live in the <laughs> suburbs of uh, of North Carolina. Okay. And uh, uh, well, that's where I'm from. So I uh, pick two bands on there, and uh, and we'll play songs off that. If, mm-hmm. So um, and give me two bands on there, and get sell me, tell me oh why I need to have a one inch blurb in a what's hot thing in USA Today about these two bands. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. All right. Um, I guess the, the e- I'm going to take the easy way out on this one. Um, Chiodos debuted at number five on the Chio- top. What? Chiodos. Chio- yeah. Chio- are they Indian? Chiodos. No. That's my favorite is Chiodos. 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 And Damiera is the other mispronunciation that happens a lot. I did not just curse there. It's Damiera. Mike's dying. I know. I swear well, I it's that. bronchitis, though. I swear. Um, so Chiodos is a, a band from Michigan that debuted a, at number five on the top 200 with their sophomore record, Bone Palace Ballet, which takes its title from a Charles Bukowski novel, poem? Crap, I just forgot. I'm the worst publicist ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> takes their title from Charles Bukowski, period. Um, all right. Their latest single, Lexington. I sound like a radio DJ now. Their latest single, Lexington, is uh, sweeping the nation. Uh has been play is been added to rotation on thirteen um alternative stations across the nation. They're playing several radio shows this summer. Okay. One date on Warp Tour. They've got some What's Warp Tour? <laughs> Warp Tour is a huge music festival with uh 
skateboarding and BMX and bands playing and about oh, 25,000 kid, kids. My kids said yeah. something about that. 25,000 people attend, on an average, 25,000 people attend this uh, Warp Tour event that goes around the nation all summer. Wow. Um, so they're, this summer they're doing one date of, of Warp Tour. Um, they've got some pretty big fall tour plans in the works, um, possibly uh, playing in an arena again. They just opened up for Lincoln Park oh, um, in March. Okay. Yeah, your kid probably likes Lincoln Park. Yeah, my Park. 18-year-old's into them. He plays yeah. drums to them. Yeah. How do Lincoln... you spell this band's name? Chiodos. C-H-I-O-D-I-O-S-K-F-C. Wait, wait. C-H-E-D. Okay. All right. So when's this coming out? Is this irrelevant? There's nothing offensive in this, is there? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, all right. Not well, then, then we can all. run it. My editor won't get mad at me. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, their album just came out in September. They're going to have a second single. Like I said, their first one was Lexington. Their second one is going to hit radio and hopefully MTV in the fall. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, some some big things going on with this band here, Kyotos. You should check that see, out, USA See, I'll have Today to Wikipedia lady. that one, okay? <laughs> um, another one is also easy. The Color Fred is Fred Mascherino, who just left the popular band Taking Back Sunday. He performed with Taking Back Sunday on Live Earth. You probably watched that. Oh, I remember that. Live yeah. Earth. That was 1988-something, wasn't it? <laughs> that was uh, 2007. Oh, it was Live Aid. I was thinking of Live Aid. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Live no, Aid. Live Earth was... Uh, all around the country. The police oh. played. You like the police, I think right? I had a family event. <laughs> the police? Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember seeing them uh, in 86. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he he just recently left Taking Back Sunday to pursue his uh, side project, which is now his full-time thing. And, okay. Uh, it, it, the music is very similar to Taking Back Sunday, so a lot of the fans are still following him uh, over there, so... Okay. Video's been added to rotation on Fuse. There's nothing offensive in his music. Oh, not at all. Okay. No, and his CD... My editor will get mad at me. I, I understand. Uh, <laughs> the uh, CD packaging is 90% recycled material. Um, the... Oh, well, that's very green. Yeah. Maybe there's an he's... article here, a green band. Mm -hmm. Do you think he could talk about that? Definitely. He's very passionate about... Uh, about his green efforts. He drives a grease car himself, a, a car that he's a converted. It's a, an 82 Volkswagen uh, that he's converted to run on grease from uh, Chinese Wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I like that idea. So lower fuel emissions and uh, cheaper gas. So, but yeah, like I said, he's very passionate about the whole green thing and uh, and tries to purchase carbon offsets to make up for all of the fuel emissions while he's uh, touring around the country, you know, which he's I, been doing all year and will continue to do so for the rest of the We have a six-parter about Angelina uh, Jolie's twins, but uh -huh. maybe after that we could do something on uh, like like green musicians. Yeah. You think we could do that? Totally, and I think... Uh, you think we you could, could fly to... me to Beverly Hills and put me up in the best hotel to interview him? Yeah. Um, Just don't. Can tell... I price line that? <laughs> Just don't tell my editor. <laughs> okay. Never, never done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Priceline is my friend. <laughs> Priceline is a publicist friend. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Kyoto's and yeah, and the, the color, color Fred. Fred. Yeah, those are my my two easy pitches. <laughs> I mean, 
You get a number five band and a guy from Taking Back Sunday. And my my job's easy with those two. And they're also really great about doing all of their interviews. So. And you can't ask for anything better than that. Exactly. I can't stop drive through had to hit your ride to get myself fed it was late but i know it's never too late to call you you're a good friend with a bad tendency to get in over your head don't you don't you fall asleep i swear i'll make it back someday i swear i'll make it back Back 
Okay, now. Second now, part of venting. Yeah. Second part of venting. The part where I lose my job. No. No. <laughs> and we, I have to put this into context for our listeners because I, you, you and I had spoken probably about a month ago. Yeah. yeah. And we were just blab. Just talking. Just talking. And, uh, it, you know, if we, if, if we could have put it into a scenario, we would have been on the front porch mm-hmm. on a lazy oh, Saturday yeah. night, mm-hmm. you know. Just talking about the good old days. You're from the South, so we would have mint juleps. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and we were talking about that barrier oh, yeah. between journalists and bands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of it has to do with, I think, um, I think some journalists want to be able to say that they're, they just, I don't know. I think there's, I think some journalists are curious about bands. Yeah. They see them as like this weird creature and they really do kind of want to get in there and get to know them and psychoanalyze them and really understand that whole world yeah. and live vicariously through them. And then you got other journalists that are really, are seeing this more as a, as a, as a, if I get in really tight with them, I'm going to get a really good scoop for my next thing. Or I'm going to get in the liner notes or I'm going to get yeah. my name in the thank yous. Right. Um, so it is kind of like that dodo bird on the side of the rhino thing. Yeah. You know, living off of it a little bit. But mm-hmm. then there's the other kind of media person that actually wants to like take it to that next level and like mm-hmm. get with them. Yes. So <laughs> um, explain to me like, and you were just kind of like having your frustrations and you had some really strong yeah, thoughts was, about this. It was actually while I was on the phone with you is how this started. I got an email from someone who thought it might be unprofessional for her to interview. A, first of all, don't tell the publicist that it's going to be <laughs> unprofessional for you to interview the band. Because then, yeah, it is um, that she thought it might be unprofessional for her to interview a certain band because she had uh, a relationship or sort of knew one of the band members. And that to me is a big, giant, waving red flag that this person should is not there to interview the bands like. There's going to be one person out of every 50 or maybe one out of every 20 that is not a legitimate journalist. And fortunately, I've been at that crappy zine trying to print it out and lying so that I know I I feel like I'm a little better at catching those people that are just like, I want to get a backstage pass. And I've actually had people email me and say, how do I get a backstage pass? And Just bluntly. Yeah. For no reason. No, like, I'm writing for my high school newspaper. I'm trying to start a magazine. Nothing. Just asking. And that sucks. Because their their job is to play a show. Their job is to go out there and entertain and meet the fans and sign CDs and whatever else, you know, comes with all of that. But... A lot of people have this idea that it's just a constant party and they want to go to the party. They want to hang out with the band, maybe do a little more than just hang out with the band. And if you're going to tell me that you've done such things before, I'm going to deny you an interview. (laughs) This person should never be a drug smuggler, by the way. (laughs) Never be a drug smuggler. Very obvious. So, yeah, the, the thing is, like, Requesting an interview or requesting a photo pass or requesting a backstage pass is not a good way to become friends with these people. Like I said, they are regular people. 
they just happen to be very talented and sometimes good-looking people. But that doesn't make them any different than you and I and in too much, you know, they're not too different anyways from from you or I like I don't understand why these girls want to sleep with them so badly. <laughs> Or guys, you know, I maybe there is Haley a thesis Williams. statement in there someplace. Yeah, Somebody's going to get a doctorate in this. Maybe Haley has Haley from Paramore has groupies. I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, do guys go as crazy? And, for and her if she as does, and if she does, do? I'm sure MSNBC really wants to know right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> Perez Hilton is all over it. <laughs> <laughs> the, I uh, love Paramore. But what about the other end of the stick, though? I mean, come on, you know, it's like. Takes two to tango. Yeah. So oh, what yeah. about those musicians that hit on the journalists? That take it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's, ah. That's Aha. I have time. lifted the rock and the bugs have crept. Oh, man. That's a good time. Um, that's, <laughs> when I, that's when I go and have the drink and I'm like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. <laughs> please stop trying to sleep with Scott Heisel at <laughs> I understand you think he's good looking, but don't. Um, I oh man, I haven't had to deal with that too often, thankfully. Um, but you've oh, I've had it happen. I mean, well, it's tried to happen, <laughs> but it's, it's tried not, to happen. And the thing is, like, it would be awesome if it was someone from Rolling Stone, and they were like, "Yeah, now that we're making out, I will totally put you in the magazine." Versus the Tulsa Daily Star, exactly. Right. Like, come yeah. on, hook up with someone from Rolling Stone or Spin or I don't AP. I don't. <laughs> what about the? And we kind of talked about this briefly yesterday yeah. in the halls of our office. Oh, what yeah. about those bands that are cool? Hey, with the press and mm-hmm. like, wait, I really like you, man. Mm-hmm. We should hang. Come back on the bus next oh, time you're blah. Put us on the cover. Oh, oh hey, we're in town a week later. I'm yeah. not gonna call her, right? Yeah, exactly. Like where where it's a, just disingenuine. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing too. And I I don't I understand. Like I said, they're regular people. You're gonna have friends, and yeah, they so happen to work at you know Spin or whatever. Like that's awesome, and I'm glad. Like you know, maybe they can help you out or whatever. But at the same time, I've seen it happen too, where it works the other way that they're like, crap, I don't want to put them in the magazine because everyone's going to say that I'm just doing it because we're friends or whatever, like on the, on the press side. I mean, I'm friends with some people that, that do press for us, like genuinely friends and not just like, mm-hmm. you know, because I want our bands in the magazine or whatever. But, um, Fortunately, I haven't had to deal with anyone just pretending to be friends, or at least if it's happened, it hasn't, I haven't seen it. So, but yeah, that, that does, that does suck. (laughs) It does suck. Um, Have you had, have you seen relations between a press entity or a media entity, web entity, and a band go south because of a bad review? Um. Like something that was for, like, semi-permanent that happened yeah i've seen um a band actually i would still say that they are sort of friends with the magazine but they kind of pissed a lot of people off at that magazine when they got a bad review and complained about it on the internet (laughs) there's probably a rule of thumb that probably goes back to what should bands know about the press yeah that's the thing is that here's the 
what I try to tell everyone if they get a bad review in AP. Paramore's Riot <laughs> got a bad... Just make it general. Yeah. Just make it in general. Don't right. make it about AP. <laughs> Paramore's Riot got a mediocre review in AP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they were on the cover three, four, whatever months later. Mm-hmm. So just because that writer doesn't like it, doesn't like the record, it doesn't mean they don't like you as a person. Don't worry. They'll still be your friend. <laughs> it doesn't mean that, you know, you in the magazine is over. It doesn't mean because you turned down, a, you know, an interview that they're never going to cover you again. So, I don't know. You don't. You don't need to go back with the personal emails and the like, just stroking them off or whatever. So, it's it's definitely delicate. Like having the the bands be friends with press. That's what publicists are for. Be I'll, that guard. Yeah. That, be that, that brick wall. Yeah. So you don't have to deal with like. You don't have to deal with the. Uh, the fake friendship up until they get the cover story, you know? What percentage of journalists do you think shouldn't be trusted? You know, a band sits in and says, you know, I can't, I'm going to tell you this right now, but I'm producing this one band and nobody knows about it yet. And what percentage would you just say if you could ballpark it? Um, that musicians should realize, think about. Before they go and divulge their secrets? That off the record thing. Yeah. yeah. Like two out of 10 journalists, three out of 10, five out of 10, nine um, out of 10, all of them. I hope you're not offended, but nine out of ten. Whoa, that's a lot higher. Yeah, that's really a lot higher. I mean, I found that this, you know, between you and me, off the record, doesn't always stay off the record. Doesn't just stay between you and me, you know, for the most part. And because you feel comfortable with that person, and you feel like you can tell them, you know every single secret mm-hmm. doesn't mean you should go and tell them about your you know relapse last night when you've been in AA for six months or whatever you know like they're they have a job too your job as a musician is go and play music and whatever else that goes with it their job is to get the story to sell magazines so there is a high percentage of people that I wouldn't trust with just you between you and me or, you know, off the record. Because I've learned there have been people that when I was starting, like, that I thought, like, okay, cool, we're we're friends. Mm-hmm. But they go and post it up on the internet 10 minutes later. <laughs> so, well, not even 10 minutes later. Last few questions for us are actually about the changing world within the industry, <laughs> yeah. okay? And... um and I would think that if there's any job that's under mm-hmm. that's been under more siege mm-hmm. from the growth of the internet and the growth of MySpace and Pure Volume and BuzzNet and Perez Hilton, as you had suggested, mm-hmm. uh, it's the it's the role of the publicist mm-hmm. because now the publicist, the manager, the record company owner, the GM, whatever, A&R rep, mm-hmm. band can no longer control the timing of the message. Now, you did say before, like, we were able to keep certain things quiet. Right. So it is possible, but by and large, because... There's just so many people involved. There's so many people trying to get that juicy story that it is, it's, I think, harder than ever. Like, in the 80s, there were probably way more drug overdoses that didn't ever get out because it the, you know the technology wasn't there to find out right away. The thing is, like, what happened was someone was there or someone 
who was there told a friend, you know, a between you and me off the record thing. And she immediately went and told the editor of a large magazine, you know, that things went down. And it's it's definitely tougher now. And it's especially hard when you've got the Perez Hiltons and the the websites that are just about the juicy stories, you know, like they this is people's jobs to go and find out, you know, the drama that happened. But this is also that's taking the perspective that the media, the press, the vultures, the gossip sites are the well, they are the vultures. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, that's their job. Right. But then on the other hand, the job of the performer Mm -hmm. is now being told they are now being told by people within the industry and advice columnists and gurus and so forth that Mm -hmm. their tasks of to-do list things are now changing because the record company system is shaky and so now it is their responsibility to be in contact with the fan directly Mm -hmm. so now they must post blogs Mm -hmm. they must do video updates on their YouTube accounts yeah. of them recording in the studio. So there's a lot of one-on-one contact, mm-hmm. record signings, you know, or autograph signings after the show, yeah. things that were not happening. We just had Motion City in here doing a podcast, and they said, we wouldn't, if this was 10 years ago, we would not be doing this right now. Right. So, um, so we, we, um, so that must make it difficult for you because now you have the bands more or less doing yeah. your job, whereas before you had to solicit to get them to do yeah. that. Well, I don't know how many news stories I've read on Absolute Punk that it's like a fan was at a show last night and talked to right. the lead singer of the band and he said this. And I'm sure there's a publicist going like, shut up. Please don't tell people that yet. Like they're granted like, you know, there are tours that. I know about now or things that are that I know about now that are happening, you know, three, four months from now that you just you can't talk about yet because, A, if you've let it out now, kids are going to be over it by the time it comes out or by the time the show comes to their town. They're not going to care anymore. Um, It's just there's a certain time and place for like news to come out. But when the band is at the show talking to the fans in their meet and greet signing that they have to do every night or want to do whatever mm-hmm. the case. I'm not saying that we're like forcing these bands to do something. <laughs> you have to sign. Um, Cause there are bands that honestly do want to sign every single Latin. Anthony Green is one of them. Chiotis is one of them, but um, they, it, it's dangerous. It is, it is harder because like I said, there's <laughs> there's one of the guys in cinematic sunrise <laughs> voicemailing me, probably wondering where you are. Yeah. yeah. Where's the um, publicist for us? Damn it. Crap. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's harder when, when there are those websites and everything and the kids are, are kind of becoming the journalists and finding things out first, you know, and everybody wants to be the first to report things, which is the tough part because who do you want to, Everyone's like, no, let me put up that song first. Let me, like, announce this news first. And it's like, why? Like, it's, I understand, like, the kids will want to, you know, if you can announce the news first, then they'll, like, well, maybe I should go to AP.net or whatever Mm -hmm. first. Maybe I should read this magazine instead of the other one or something. But it's also, it's harder for us because, like, it's not the only news outlet that wants the story. It's, 
it's something that everyone's going to find out, you know, within an hour anyways, <laughs> like no matter what, like no matter if you were the first, like they're going to find out through their regular out, you know, outlet anyways. So, so have we reached a point where it's a basically every thing, mm-hmm. press, media outlet, website for themselves? Yeah. And the I whole think so. idea of exclusivity, it just, it's, it, it lasts an hour. Exactly. It does. It does really like, I mean, with YouTube and whatever websites can rip videos and songs off of websites or whatever, like you're going to have the song. Even if I didn't give it to you, you're going to have it eventually soon after. So it's tough when people want exclusive things. Has the job, would you say, as we close, Mm -hmm. has the job of the publicist now gone from being offensive mm-hmm. please 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 mm-hmm. to defensive um i still find myself doing both but really? i think that Equally. yeah i i think that it's actually become more offense than defense like if you look at bands from the 70s or 80s or something it was more I feel like they had it a lot easier, you know, the bands back then. Because now there is such a surplus of bands that sound the same or look the same or whatever that it's like, well, why should I write about that band when I can get this one, you know, right away or I can I can do this. That's the other thing is that, you know, we've lost or gained stories because we were faster or slower, you know. It's it's all about like who's going to get in there first and, and whatever. So last, my last question, <laughs> I know I, I, cause I just realized this is actually the one I wanted to ask yeah. uh, to close. Tell me what was the most incorrect thing that was ever written in a story that you set up? Oh man. See, I had the most incorrect thing, but I didn't set it up. All right. Well, <laughs> Somebody, somebody that that somebody else that were they working one of the artists that was on yeah, your yeah yeah right, well that's good enough. Um, there is a uh, story, an interview that Craig did um, for Chiodos in Kerrang, and it talks about his drug use and you know relapse and whatever else and Craig is not like that Craig does not do ecstasy (laughs) he may have done ecstasy when he was 17 or 18 or whenever kids do ecstasy Um, but (laughs) I don't don't, there's like an age that you do ecstasy it's kind of like riding a big wheel wasn't it yeah Yeah. you only do ecstasy at certain ages and then after that okay and then after that you move on to bigger and better things like cocaine but (laughs) (laughs) um Craig is not a drug addict. Like, I know Craig pretty well, and he's not a drug addict. And every story about him in, whether it's Kerrang, Revolver, Blender, has been about Craig's drug abuse and how depressed he is and blah, 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 whatever. And everyone has a good day. Everyone has a bad day. Um, Craig is not this, you know, terrible person. So it's basically any story about Craig... Owens (laughs) Owens <laughs> has been fa- no, no. It's not that it's false. Um, it, he doesn't. He doesn't lie about you know 
things that did or didn't happen and, and being in the hospital and whatever, that that's pretty much true. It's just a matter of like you mentioned one time that you were in the hospital, one time you did ecstasy or Vicodin or whatever it was, and they're going to take that part of the story. That's the other thing that, that the bands have to be careful of is they're going to focus on the worst part of that story you told. If you did that drug once, if you inhaled, <laughs> they're going to make you look like the biggest drug addict ever. I've just realized that political reporters uh-huh. are actually burst for music journalists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, I've learned something today. Yep, see? <laughs> Better watch, watch, your, uh, watch your job. I think there's a career for me at time. That's true. Wow. Thank you so much for... Thank you. Coming here today and maybe Thanks either for letting me vent. turning some people on to maybe wanting to become publicists or maybe they're all going to uh, decide that maybe their parents were right about that medical career. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should be a lawyer. And in some cases, you'll still get to meet the musician. They'll just come in through the ER. Exactly. There you go. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is All My Fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 